Brother Juno did every verse that I was going to share with you this morning that I was going to share with you tonight. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, just uh, go on a rabbit trail on the 45 years that you've been serving the Lord. I hope you remember Psalms, I believe it was 25, the last time I was allowed to preach. But we're emphasizing prophecy and the last days in which we are living, and we are living in the last days. There's no doubt in my mind, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I've heard it all my life, and he hasn't come. But that's why he probably said he's going to come as a thief in the night. And there is going to come a time when that transition is going to take place. In the Bible, in the Bible, there's 2,500 prophecies. About 2,000 of them have been fulfilled. The odds of all these prophecies being fulfilled according to the mathematician without error is 1 in 10,000 powers or one with 2,000 zeros after it. Since God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, you can add the one and all the zeros you want. What he says will transpire. It has through the ages, and it will continue on until you and I are here. So that leaves about 500, but... In the life of Christ, 351 of the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled, leaving us about 149 prophecies in the Bible, and we are living in prophecy. But since we are living in it, like the Bible says, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump, or how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so the devil is so subtle, and it's so gradual, the process, we don't even know that we are living in the process of some of the final, final prophecies that God warned us about. So instead of listening to the world, and the great scholars of the world, we need to listen to the word. The Lord will come, and he will come in his due time. Sometimes we discuss dispensations, which is a period of time. Seven to eight dispensations. A dispensation means in theology the order of events under divine authority. Dispensation is an error of time during which man is tested in respect to obedience to some definite revelation of God's word. In every age and in every prophecy that has been fulfilled and is in the process of being fulfilled, 
In every age, there are five stages of outline. We're familiar, and those that are going to school and uh, learning more about the things of God, we had, first of all, the dispensation of innocence, which was in Genesis 1, 28 through 30, through the third chapter, the 24th verse. We had the antediluvian uh, dispensation, or the dispensation of conscience, which is in Genesis 4 through the ninth chapter. That period of time took 1,656 years. The post-diluvian dispensation or self-government, Genesis 9 through Genesis 12, was 427 years. And then we have the patriotic dispensation or the promise dispensation. Genesis 12 through Exodus 20, that lasted 430 years. And then we had this dispensation of the law. And I hope I'm not boring you, but it's important that we understand this, that God has a specific time for everything. He has a specific time for when I was born. And he has a specific time when I am going to leave this earth. It is appointed on demand once to die, and after that, the judgment of God. I don't know why God has allowed me to live 84 years. I don't know why, if you... I, I'm not supposed to mention my wife, but I love her. I love her probably more than when we first got married. But we've been married 64 years, and on Halloween, she was born, October 31. God blessed me with a woman that was born on a broom. And you wonder why she has so many gray hairs. But you know what? I just believe that God does have a woman for every man and a man for every woman. And if you're privileged that you have that woman and you have that man, you need to thank God for her. But we must go on. I have just apologized to her for anything I've done in the past by acknowledging her. But we have the dispensation of promise, as I mentioned, Genesis 12, Exodus 20, 430 years. The dispensation of the law, Exodus 20 through Matthew 27. 1,490 years. We find that God, as mentioned, always has a time for everything. And we are at the end times. We have now, we are in the grace dispensation, the church age. For by grace am I saved through faith and not of myself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so any man should boast. Matthew 3 through Revelation 19. That's lasted so far almost 2,000, over 2,000 years. And then we have the millennial reign, and then we have the righteous reign, which when God reestablishes his reign here on earth. But the five outlines, which I'm just briefly going to share with you, as far as the church age is concerned, started with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The test during that time is the acceptance or the rejection of Jesus Christ. It's God's desire that every one of you be saved. It's God's desire that everyone come unto repentance. It is God's desire that everyone be born again. He created hell or Gehenna for the lake, uh, the lake of fire for the angels, the devil and his angels. He didn't create it for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If I would have not told you, though, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. God desires you to be saved. But you're saved God's way. You're not saved man's way. You're not saved through works. You're saved by grace through faith and not of yourself. And so we find here that he, the test is the acceptance and the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to get into my salvation a little bit. You're not saved by repeating what man says. Man says, say this, and you're going to be saved. You're going to be saved when faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God or by a track or by reading the Bible or by preaching the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you that you're lost. You can't be saved until you realize you're lost. And when you realize you're lost, the Holy Spirit of God is going to convict you and convict you and convict you and convict you and praise God that he's still convicting you. It was three Sundays went by. Dr. John Hunter... North Detroit Baptist Church in the city of Detroit. And thank God for Mrs. Bracker, the bus ministry, and thank all of you that do the buses and go out and reach these boys and girls. I was hell-bound. As I told you before, I was gang-bound. I was prison-bound. But thank God for Mrs. Bracker, and she's in heaven right now. I hope those hosts of witnesses are glorying over the fact that she never knew, she never knew, that she was talking to a young boy in the projects of Detroit that would one day become a pastor and build a church for the cause of Jesus Christ and see literally thousands of people get saved. But we're living in the church age and that failure to rejection of Christ as Lord, judgment, the seven years of tribulation, and then the second coming of the Lord. Those are the five aspects of almost every dispensation that you and I are aware of through knowledge and are aware of through living our life. The Bible tells us to preach the word and do. Preach the word. Preach it. I was listening to uh, Brother Trever, and he says to preach the word is to stand up be strong, and don't vary from the truth. I'm not here to itch your ear tonight. I'm here to tell you that God wants something from you, and I pray that if he speaks to you through the preaching of his word tonight, you will respond accordingly. You say, well, I got it all settled with God. Let's put it this way, God's not ever settled with us. He always has something for us to do. Preach the word. Preach it. Teach it. Now, when I was at Antioch, Sunday morning was preaching. Sunday night was preaching and teaching. Wednesday night was teaching. And I tell you, you need to thank God when you hear the word of God preached. 
to be instant in season, out of season, reprove. Oh, don't tell me how to live. I think every pastor that is right with God has every right to tell you how to live from the Bible. They're afraid they're, I, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I love you. I don't know who you are, but I love my wife more. Don't let me, you know, take that away. But I love you. I want to tell you the truth. Because it's the truth that will set you free. And so we find here, he says, preach the word of God and do not apologize for it. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He also says in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the third verse, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And then it goes on in verse 4 by saying, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned on the fables. We don't need to listen to the world. I tell you, if I listen to the world, I get depressed. I listen to the word of God and I get uplifted. Listen not to the world, listen to the word. God already knows. But let me share something with you over the 45, or well, now that I, I guess, retired. I, I hope I can do this, and I hope you can see this. Let me see, where am I going to put this? Can you see that? Can you that are in a way in the backslidden condition, I mean, way in the back? Can you see that? Oh, you got, you got, Okay. When I went into the ministry, this was the world. Can you see this one? In the 50 years, or more than 50 years now, the world has moved over here. Love me. You know where the church is now? Hey, come on. Come on, don't, don't pretend you're holier than thou right now. Isn't that where we are? The standards we used to have? Our respect for ladies? Not speaking out on abortion like we should? 63 million babies born. Not born. Aborted in America. Thank God for our Supreme Court now. But now we got someone on the Supreme Court when she was asked, she didn't even know what a woman was. Sodomy? Sodomy? Home? You say, preacher, don't go there. It gets me depressed. I'm not depressed. It's prophecy. It's the, it, it's, we are living in prophecy. They've taken, what, God out of the schools? They've taken Bible out of the schools? We're living prophecy. I don't know which one of the 131 that are left, for many have already probably been full, full, fulfilled with each of the incidences that are transpiring. I mean, my word, we have, and you say, now you're supposed to preach the word. Let me, uh, wait till I get to you. I only have till 9 o'clock tonight. 
But you know what? We're living it. And I don't accept it. Not only do I not, I preach against it, but I also tell those that I talk to when I meet them during the course of the day that abortion is wrong, sodomy is wrong, transvestites are wrong, living together out of wedlock is wrong, having children out of wedlock is wrong. Oh, you're quiet. You scare me now. I remember the first time, time goes by so fast, probably 25 years ago, one of my members, a good member, their, their daughter was having a child and they wanted to have it out of wedlock. And they wanted to have a shower in the church. You know what I said? You must be kidding. You say, you were a mean preacher. I was a mean preacher. God's way or no way. And God has a word for that. I'm not going to use it tonight, but a child born out of wedlock Holy man. See, we're living prophecy. They're after your children. Yeah. They're trying to take the authority away from you. Can you see the progress? Oh, we can come to church and be nice little people and go home. Don't make waves. I think it's time that we have a Billy Sunday. I think it's time we have a Jack Hiles. Time we have a Curtis Hudson. You say, oh man, he, they, they, they really laid it on the line. You mean we can't preach the word? We can't reprove? We can't rebuke? With all long suffering? Or I could just stand up here and itch your ears a little bit. And say, oh boy, that was a nice little sermon. You'll forget it by the time you get home tonight anyways. But we're talking about prophecy. And what they're doing to our children, it'll be a cold day with a boogeyman hangs out when they want to change their sex without the parents even knowing about it. Do you still love me? I'm praying for prophecy. I'll tell you what, you know what? I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the twick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word again. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not, they just won't listen. They will not endure sound doctrine. But Baptist church is closing on Wednesday night. Come on. Well, where did you ever find Wednesday night in the Bible? Well, you know what? The, the disciples or the apostles were praying on Wednesday night because that's when Christ was crucified and he rose on the first day of the week. Many of you say, well, isn't Good Friday when he died? You can't get three days and three nights out of him dying on Friday and raising on Sunday. 
But as Noah, or Noah, listen to me about Noah, Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so Christ was in the bowels of the earth three days and three nights. He was crucified on Wednesday. He rose on Sunday morning. When you go according to the Jewish calendar, The time will come when they not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned on the fables. But watch in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, and the full proof of your ministry is preaching the truth. Everything that we preach needs to be supported by the word of God. Now, you're, if you're saved, if you're saved, you're going to want to live by the Word of God. You're going to want the Word of God to dictate life standards and the way we conduct ourselves in business. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If we're saved. Oh, you think I'm closing this that I'm done. Uh-uh. That was the introduction. <laughs> oh, I love you. I mean, you know what? I may never get this opportunity again. So, you know, it was just like a dog by a good meal. You're, you know, you're going to have a hard time pulling me away. You know, like with Israel that's going on. You know, the Bible says over there, in the Middle East, they are like brain asses. Do anyone know that scripture? They are going to be fighting until Christ comes back again. I feel bad for Israel. I thank God. We support Israel. I thank God for that portion of his word, and I believe it's Genesis 12, 3, that he'll bless them that bless Israel and curse them that curse Israel. After all is said and done, God has the final word. I'm saved. And I thank God in this day and age when I am living in prophecy, I'm seeing it, I, I see it every day. But the Bible says when we get saved, if we become a new creature and old things pass away, behold, all things become new. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. But the devil's out there trying to put everybody on a guilt trip for not loving everybody. And we do love everybody. But if they keep rejecting God's way, then that's time that you and I, in fact, we are not really supposed to socialize. We can give them the word of God, but they're not going to be my best friend. My best friends are men and women of God that talk about Jesus when we have a social hour. Most social hours today, we're talking about everything. I tell you what, it surprised me when I was with Brother Wilkerson, and I let him win a hole or two. I'll let you know when we play golf. He asked me when I was saved. And I told him, I want to tell you how I was saved. 
And when I got saved, old things did pass away. Behold, all things become new. When I was 13 years old, or 12, 13 years old, I was a caddy at Country Club of Detroit. I smoked camels. You remember camels? How many of you remember camels? See, I hope you still don't enjoy them. But, uh, uh, and when I got saved, the same Holy Spirit convicted me that I was lost, said I should give up my camels. He walks with me. He talks with me. Does he still talk to you, or do you run your own show? And when I had my camel, and you know, we used to take them. I don't know whether you ever smoked, brother. But we used to take them, remember? And we'd roll them up in our sleeve. Do you remember those days? Yeah. And we used to sit down, and we would play cards. We would play pinochle. We would play gin. We would play poker. We would play... But you know what? When I got saved, God says, I don't want you playing cards. In fact, my mamma and granddaddy, who was a preacher, he was a circuit preacher, there would be no way in this green earth you would find a deck of cards in his house. And I said, man, why? Why would God convict you? What's wrong with cards? So I researched it. I'm not going to do everything. In fact, I wrote a little pamphlet, a little book on it. It was by an evil king that wanted to offset the influence of the Bible. And many of you that are here today, now don't play Mr. and Mrs. Innocent with me, you know what the Ace of Spades stands for. Oh, look at man, they're so innocent. Do you know what the Ace of Spades stands for? Is that right? Come on, help me, Brother Roy. Oh, man, I'm, I'm preaching to a sanctified group of people. We'll have no one at the altar tonight. The ace of spades stands for death. And the joker stands for Jesus Christ. So no cards in my life. This is my personal testimony. We would never support Hollywood and go to the movies. Oh, man. I'm a visiting preacher. I'm just talking about my own personal life. Oh, but now you've got television. You can watch movies in there. It's a controlled environment, and believe me, if anything goes, I don't. You can turn it off. In a movie theater, the people who are watching you go in don't know what you're watching or what you're supporting. And I, I don't even know what a movie theater, how many of you know, uh, <laughs> how many of you know what it costs to go in the theater? I mean, just, you researched it. That doesn't mean you went to it. I mean, I don't even know. Do you know? Oh, bless their, I mean, you spiritual people, I tell you, the rapture took place, this church would almost be empty. According to the Bible, only about 50% of you would go, but... Uh, 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 anybody that got saved in the last month that used to go to the, or, never mind. We'll leave it go. Uh, uh, I tell you what, why don't you take that money you give to the theater and give it to the Lord? Woo, man, don't go there. But you know, the devil wants to put us on a guilt trip. 
He wants us to have fear in our life. He wants to bring worry into our lives. He wants us to worry about things that are beyond our control. He wants to implement doubt and despair and despondency and depression. If you need some medicine, go to the best medicine there is, the Word of God. But thank God that I'm saved in the day in which we're living. And folks, if you, if you, just, if you could just look back like I can. Glory, I'm saved. And all of you that are really saved, you say, how do you use that term? Are really saved? You could say amen. Well, okay, we're going to have the altar filled tonight then. Because some of you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. I'm saved. Oh, yeah, but you're the preacher. You're the preacher. If you're out here like us, you know, you want us to respond. No, I don't want you to respond. I want you to one that you can really brag on, and it's Jesus Christ. I'm saved. Okay. I won't surrender to you. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And you know, you have pastors and, oh, I don't know what we could call them, uh, the head of schools. Maybe some of you remember it. That said that Christ did not have to shed his blood. I'm sorry, Doc. He did shed his blood. And he had to shed his blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And Christ shed his blood. And that blood is still chasing the devil today all the way to Gehenna in the future. That's fulfilled prophecy. In whom we have... Now listen. This verse is not even found in the NIV, which is not the Bible. It's not even found in it. And I could preach on that till the cows come home. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. In the day and age in which you are living, and we are living the prophecy that is going to lead up to the last days. We are seeing it in the Middle East. We are seeing it in America. And what has happened over to Israel one day, if Christ does not come, is going to happen into America with the invasion that is taking place in our southern border. And the anti-God movement. You say, well, you know. No. I, I know the younger generation. When they would talk about the rapture, they would talk about uh, when Christ would come. They'd say, oh, Lord, just give me one more Christmas. Oh, Lord, just give me one more time where I meet a woman that I would marry. You ever go through that route? Now just give me, just give me, just give me. That's the story of our life nowadays. Give me, give me, give me. 
when I got saved, I, I play golf. I, I'm getting old. No, I am old. Uh, uh, Brother Judo, I, I don't know what he meant by, he says, when pastor is gone, you know, we do the best we can. I could take that either way, you know. <laughs> but, folks, we, we've got to realize that we are living in the last days. And don't fall grip to this business that it's not going to happen because he is going to come as a thief in the night. And not only am I saved, I'm secure. I am secure in the finished work of Jesus Christ. For some reason, when I left Christ's and was called into the ministry, I followed the Lord. And I mentioned it. I mean it with all my heart, with all my heart. If you're being called of God to go into the ministry, you're passing up one of the greatest privileges in all the world. I had a wife. I had three kids. I had a good job on the comptroller staff, so on down the line. Like I told you when I first preached here the other day or the other month, that uh, my preacher friend said I was crazy. My people that I knew said I was crazy. But God says, I want you. You know what? There are things that God will do in your life that you'll never be privileged to if you don't answer the call. I'm secure. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he heard my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. My sheep hear my voice. Oh, a lot of people, I was talking, does, does the Holy Spirit still speak to you? He says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep, that means I belong to God. I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And my Father speaks to me through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I just ask you a personal question. When was the last time the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you? Or convicted you of something. I mean, when I was 15 years old, I could play skins at the golf. You know what that is? It's gambling. But you don't mention it as gambling. But I could play skins. I, I, I take these old codgers, 25, 30 years old, and, and I'd whip their tails on the golf course. And I'd make myself, back then, $17, $18, which was a lot of money. And when I got saved, I gave up skins. You want a sure thing? Give it to the church. And we say, oh, the church always wants my money. No, it was God who gave you what you got anyways. But I'm secure. I have everlasting life. Everlasting life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, 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 never perish. And you that are here tonight, and it's not because Brother Wilkerson asked me to preach or Brother Juno tried to make fun of me. I'm saved, I'm secure, and I've been scripturally baptized. Them that gladly receive, them that gladly receive the word, they were baptized. Let me get this out of the way. You got the message? Do you agree with this? I do. I do. Yeah, let me do it again. I like that. I colored that myself. There's the church. No, this is the world. The world is over here. 
Look what's happening in our world. And now the church is over here. We don't have, we don't have Sunday night services anymore. We don't have Wednesday night services anymore. In fact, if the Super Bowl on, we've got to cancel the church services so that we watch the Super Bowl. That's anti-God. That's anti-God. That is anti-God. Oh, that's a preference. No, it's anti-God. There's a difference between a preference and a conviction. A conviction doesn't change. And what are your convictions? Do the women dress like women and the men dress like men? And thank God, you're part of a soul-winning church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done. Brag on the Lord. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in to my house may be filled. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the earth. You're part of a soul-winning church. You need to thank God of it. And when we started Antioch Baptist Church, I think it was with about 20 people. It was through soul-winning. When we finally looked around, uh, because it was in the summer, when winter came, there was a Baptist church just two blocks away. There was another Baptist church, and we... This is not, don't, don't misunderstand me because I don't, but we went from about 22, I believe it was, up to over 700. And you know what it was? It was because of soul winning. We went out every, every Saturday of the year. And some of those winners in Michigan, I tell you, were, it was bad. But you know what? God honored it. God honored it. And thank God that you're in a soul-winning church. And not only that, this world is not my home. I'm heaven-bound. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Praise God that I was allowed to serve him all these years. Praise God that I'm allowed to stay. And to tell you the truth, get on fire for God. Get right with God. Get back to the old-time standards. Get back to the old-time religion. Get back to the times of saying amen. Glory, I'm saved. And I have, look, I have something to look forward to. Oh, what a day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Some people say, well, you're going to be reacquainted with this one and that one. I tell you what, when I open my eyes one second after death and I'm at the feet of Jesus, what more could any one of us ask? And remember, in heaven, there is no time. Don't listen to the things of the world. Listen to the word. His word is being fulfilled during your lifetime. In fact, you're living some of the prophecies of the last days. And they think they're going to destroy Israel. It's never going to happen again. And when Iran, that we just gave $6 billion to, to probably pay for a lot of the things that are going on today, which is known as Persia. Yeah, we're closer than you think. And maybe I'm closer, but my rapture will take place when I leave. But he could come tonight. Let me ask you this in closing. 
What if it was tonight? Oh, you say, oh, it's not going to be tonight. I mean, isn't that the way we think humanly? Oh, it's not going to be tonight. I mean, we make plans for the future and God's or whatever. But remember, the future is in his hands. No, but what if? What if? See, see because we always say, oh, no, you've heard it. You know, what if? What if it was tonight? Could it be tonight? Yeah, it could be tonight. But what if it was tonight? You're not going to resolve whatever it is between you and God tomorrow if it was tonight. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you took care of it tonight? And thank God that he is even convicting you. Because there will become a time he'll say, no, I'm not going to do it no more. No matter how often you spend it at church, you know, I've talked to you a hundred times. All he has to do is speak to us one time, and he has fulfilled his word. So if God is ever speaking to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God that reproved the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, you need to respond to that call. Or you say, I don't really know what it is. Say, when you come to this altar, if God so leads you, say, what is it, Lord? What do you want? Then you go to his word, and he will reveal it. Yeah, we are living. I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to this prophecy seminar that's coming forward. But it, shouldn't, it should just make us aware of what is transpiring tonight. Is our hearts right with God? And if it was tonight at 12 o'clock, what would you do different after the services tonight? And I know there's a lot of doubt in a lot of your minds but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So if God's speaking to your heart, not for my sake, but for your sake, humble yourself before the altar and say, God, thank you for speaking to me. Thank him for speaking to me. Does he still speak to you? Let me close in this, because it speaks to me so audibly. I think it was, what, the first 10 years? In my Bible, it was filled with tears. The next 15 years, that Bible was filled with tears. That's 25 years. The last 15 years, I looked, and there were no tears. And boy, I had to get back on the altar and say, God, draw me near. So once again, when I read what you did for me, I will shed a tear upon the precious word of God that has been preserved throughout all generations to save my soul. And to be absent from this body, according to God's word, I will be in the presence of the Lord. Let us pray.